So I'm filling this sketchbook. Uh, the idea behind it is it's a call for anybody who wants to make a sketchbook. Um, anybody's sketchbook will go into this archive called the Sketchbook Archive. It's in a library in New York. And you're sent the sketchbook. And um, it's just a, 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 a foundation to work from. You can change everything about it um, as long as it's a certain thickness ends up being a certain thickness. And um, I like commissions. I'm at this point where it's interesting to fulfill a brief. What am I going to do? Am I going to do something completely different from anything that I've done before? Or is it going to be um, just a part of the evolution of what I've already been doing? So I got an idea that I wasn't going to do my usual drawing with a pen, black pen. Been doing that for a while. Love doing the black pen. Um, really love that simplicity. But I wanted somehow to take my painting and put it in a sketchbook. How was I going to do that? Um, and I started working this other material that's not acrylic because I've worked with, I've been, I've been using, I started out using uh, poster paint, tempera, just kids paint, very, very liberating. I'm going to tell you about that, about it's not a bad way to start. And then I'd progressed onto acrylic. I was doing, I was, I had an exhibition and I wanted to uh, convey to people what I love about doing these, what I'm calling wing paintings and also my petal paintings where it's a case of peeling apart two pieces of paper and revealing what's there, which is a mirror image. And I love, one of the best, one of the most gorgeous things about it is when you peel it apart. It's so, um, it's just the way that it, it stretches and then snaps apart, breaks apart. And so there was an idea to try and convey that, that uh, the, the, the pleasure of these paintings had, had a lot to do with the making of them and just how gooey and sumptuous this, this paint is. So I wanted to come up with a material that was similar to, to, to acrylic, but had, was more robust um, had more more form, more more solidity to it. Came up with the idea of goop, and there's a lot of kids telling you how to make goop online, and so I started making that and um, found that it did all sorts of different things, and um, I found that out by accident because after doing this exhibition and um, walking around with these pots of goop and showing people just how delicious it is to tear paint apart and tear this goop apart and what happens to it. Um, I end, It ended up just sitting in my cupboards in various uh, boxes for different colors and they, they dried. And when they hadn't quite dried fully, I was adding lotion to it, uh, body lotion, which also gave it a smell. And uh, that fascinated me that I had not only a medium but that was satisfying the visual sensory organ, but also 
the olfactory sensory organ. The You could smell it. That was an interesting idea. Also, it, it desiccated altogether. So I... And I could pop it out of the box and I found out it had shapes, it had trails, it had all sorts of interesting things going on. And I loved the idea that I was now manufacturing something in 3D. It was absolutely fascinating. So, and with so little, I just felt like I had my own factory or my own farm. And um, then I got, so I started thinking more about that, that this was a form of collage that I had here and I'd already been doing some collage. Um, so I, I was starting to think in, form, in terms of making this into a collage. And also I could find out that I could dribble if I had a larger, like a lid, plastic lid, a plastic box, I could uh, do these dribbles and these scribbles very much like I've been doing with a pen. And, and yet, I, when it completely dried out, which took it some weeks, I could peel it off and use it for collage. And so that's what I decided I wanted to do with this book, with the sketchbook. I thought, that's, I'm, going to, I'm going to sketch, but I'm going to use this medium. So I peeled all of these off, these, what I was manufacturing, and just laid them out on the windowsill to make sure that they were completely dry and not sticking and solid enough. And then I decided to stick them in the book. And I had this idea that because they had shapes that I hadn't controlled or that had been fairly random and um, because this goop spread out of its own accord and formed its own shapes, if it wasn't conforming to the edges of the container it was in, it was just spreading out and creating other kinds of shapes. It, had, it wasn't going as far as to the edge. So I recognised that they had these shapes. And then I realised that this was pareidolia. Pareidolia. Um, pareidolia was something that I was thinking about, I'd, I'd realised was an element of my wing paintings, that unintentionally they were becoming recognisable things, landscape, people, wings, insects, um, vaginas, parts of the body. And pareidolia is um, more complex than that. It's actually quite a, a complicated idea, but the simple idea of it is this. Uh, when you're looking up at a ceiling and you see the cracks, you can make a face out of it, or you can see a face in the moon. That's pareidolia. Uh, you can see it in, you can see a face maybe, or an animal in uh, the pattern of, on your curtains, pattern in your wallpaper, um, cracks in a pavement, whatever you're staring at, maybe you're daydreaming, maybe you're ill in bed, or these shapes can form, and um, you're determined that once you've seen the face, it's very hard not to see the face again. What, so what is that? It is using your imagination to make, to see something familiar out of something that isn't intentionally conveying that, that, is, that, that has happened accidentally. 
So it's an aspect of pareidolia. I love that. I love that because it's tied into the imagination. Um, I did it as a kid, so I'm always interested in, in innocence because I think that's where your imagination can be at its most boundless. And I'm always interested in the return to innocence because um, that's what I want. I want to feed the imagination. And, and I think as adults, we still do it. Uh, we do it in doodling. We do it all over the place. We are, um, we, we, we are in the world of imagination more than we, we think, more than we maybe realize. Uh, so I put these uh, shapes, these flat shapes, into this book. And it became apparent immediately that the first shape I had was a little girl with her head in her hands. Now it's black. I kept with this theme that I often do of black and white and color. And that's a theme that goes actually right the way through my work, including the film I made. Um, and uh, because I, I, I see that little girl as me, even though it's got black hair, I actually think that it's got blonde hair. <laughs> so that so even the black becomes blonde. It's just I'd superimposed a picture of me with my back as a little girl, with my back to the audience in a chair, with my head in the hands thinking. And then I wanted to add text to this. I'd already done this, but I just liked the idea of text, words being as interesting as uh, pictures. So I wanted to do it in a certain way where it seemed like I painted the text, not just written it, that it wasn't calligraphy, that it was painting. And I wanted the text to be simple, fairly evident sometimes, obvious and then not obvious. I also introduced into the book numbers because, um, I mean, I've had an aversion to numbers. I struggled with numbers as a kid, maths. And it seemed a way of bringing numbers close to me. Numbers have been closer to me because I'm interested in numerology. Just, I'm interested in numbers as a sequence. Um, and what a zero, what zero to one to two to three actually means in terms of an entity evolving, um, to say that in brief. But I was also interested in the idea of just using numbers like a language and interested in the idea of creating my own language and that these pareidolias that I'd made out of goop, desiccated goop, were a form of hieroglyphics that I'm inventing, inventing my own, my own language. So this was an exciting leap, a really exciting leap, suddenly in this book, that I hadn't anticipated. Not, I hadn't anticipated that I would see these shapes as humanoid or animal or futuristic, or some of them are alien. Um, that I would see them as some being as 
having hierarchical status. Some are kings, some are warriors, some are animals, some are sort of people lower down doing things like dancing. You know, it's a sort of feudal um, hierarchical notion going on. Um, I thought that I was just going to do it as a collage and then I was going to draw draw maybe creatures and there would be a relationship between the pareidolia object and the, the sketched creature, maybe tiny, maybe I was just going to be interested in scale, conveying something monolithic through these pareidolios, um, pareidolias. But that's not how it turned out because I saw when I started to see that they were creatures and and uh, animals and human beings and machines and cars and houses and uh, treasure chests and just representations of activity. They are representing the seasons in some places. They are representing the organic world. Uh, everything that is abundant and growing on the planet. They're also representing what is below the uh, surface of the ocean. Um, what, and this was inspired, this page here, particularly that I'm looking at, you can hear it, the book crackling, um, was inspired by the Blue, Blue Planets series, which was in 2017, where... Um, David Attenborough went down to the bottom of the ocean. And um, that was, for me, like going into space. I'm sure it was for a lot of people. Uh, I think so many people were fascinated by that in, in, in Britain um, because he was taking us down in technology that we didn't have before. So we've never been that deep before. We've never got to the bottom of the ocean and seen what we've seen there. And they were just unbelievable creatures and that footage you know because the paint it reminded me of the acrylic paint that I use it's iridescent it's I mean these creatures are so bright down there and it's pitch black and you just think why are you so beautiful when there's no one to see you it's something that Maybe you feel, you can feel as an artist a lot of the time that you're making these, this stuff alone and no one's going to see it. And yet there is just this drive to create these things. Well, that's what these creatures are at the bottom of the, of the ocean. There was one, and I've just got to figure out the name for that. Ah, the bobbit worm. Ah, it's this pipe that buries itself right deep uh, into the ocean floor and then it just has these jaws um, hidden under the sand and then it, it, it propels itself out and catches fish. It is nightmarish and beautiful and bizarre. Um, so, and that's the least of it that's down there. Just, just amazingly beautiful things. So I wanted to represent that and that I represented it with just pure acrylic, I think. Um, and just the brightness of it. Uh, so, yes, there are these. And then um, I'm weaving in also this idea of space. Uh, 
outer space, I am frightened and mesmerized by the idea of being stuck in outer space. <laughs> uh, and with all its beauty, like the bottom of the ocean and strangeness. So there is that in there as well. There's also, um, this book is called Back Behind, Above and Below, Beyond. That's what it says on the front cover when you go to the um, the inside. The first page, it's, it's the title page, is The Fairy Tale of Back Behind, Above and Below, Beyond. Always go, go into the fairy tales. Um, I think they just had such a big influence uh, on me as a kid. And uh, the colours, I realised when I started using the inks, because I used a quill to write the text, I was drawn to this idea of using a crimson, a light blue, and uh, a, a sort of a lemon yellow. And a lot of these uh, paradelios Paradolias are black, some of them have a cream, some of them black and white, and there are some colours in there, green and red and yellow. But this text, I just love that juxtaposition because it reminded me of a kid's book. I don't know if you have the same thing. Um, it was a kid's book. It was, I must, it must have been about seven or eight when I had this, six, seven. Um, so it was a, a very young, for a very young person, but it had French text and English text, and I think that a French friend of my parents had given it to me to um, help with uh, learn French, uh, which was great because I suppose uh, it did help a lot, um, and it also gave it that that fascinating foreign feel that there was this foreign language in this book. And I remember that, but I remember also the colours, and I remember that it was about cats, and it was about a little boy, I can't remember the title, a little boy who was mean to these cats. I think he pulled their tails, and they got their own back, and their own getting their own back meant that they became very enormous. And they became these different colours, they became this light blue, crimson, and lemon yellow, and there was also a lot of black in there as well. And I've... It just has that resonance because I was fascinated by this. I recognized that there was cruelty in that. It was a very, just it's an intense memory of this book of fascination and fear and the, and the, and the fascination of being afraid. So I put that, I put these colors, I was drawn to do those colors to remind me of that book in this fairy tale. Also, uh, acrylic sticks. To paint uh, to paper, so uh, if you if you put lay a if you lay a piece of um, paper over the acrylic, it can um, even when it's dry, it'll sort of stick. It's tacky, and can really. So you, I've been putting this baking. I just like the idea of the baking paper rather than tissue. I want. I've been using um, uh, baking paper. And so um, that stuck into the book, and I like that idea of veils. You know, there are books like uh, Edmund Dulac, um, fairy tales. There are some Hans Christian Andersen, where the the the, um, the illustrations are very beautiful, and they're just on their own separate panel. And 
um, they have these pieces of tissue paper come over them. They're kind of precious books. And I, I had them as a, as a kid. And I always loved that idea of turning the paper over and that, that, that you, could you could see something through the tissue paper and uh, then you could reveal this, this beautiful drawing behind. I'd love that idea of the reveal. So that's in there too, and I've also painted on them to get an idea of, of the layer, that there's two layers to, to the picture. There's text, and then there's the picture underneath, and there's sometimes there's paint. So that is another idea of the fairy tale aspect. And then the fact that there's a lot of science fiction in the book, um, that all these people and creatures, um, there's one here, hover, ve hover vehicles for driving, looking back, looking back. And these are very, they're like alien or space beings or futuristic robotic beings um, that, has, that have a sort of hint, imply something humanoid, but they're, they're very alien and very strange. Or maybe humans are actually very alien and very strange because it takes so little to describe us. Or you, as soon as you've got a head or you've got two extensions that might represent two arms, we're already uh, um, inferring that this is humanoid of some kind. Um, so that's this book. There's, I want to talk more about this Voyager 1 and Voyager 2 trip because that's what the book actually extends to in the second half. You have in the first half, um, you have life, you have human sacrifice, you have the highest spiritual aspect of a human being on the first page. Um, he says nine, sacrifice, and there's a cross with a sort of a strange head on the top. You've got flight. You've got the little girl above, sitting, imagining with her head in her hands. You've got um, more flight, human beings able to fly. You've got a frog spawning. You've got kings on thrones. You've got warriors with spears. You've got creatures down below dancing, having fun. You've got the mother, the icon, the archetype, the earth, the creator of all things. It's behind that idea, the creator. Have her female, we've had males. Now this is the female balance for the polarity. She looks out behind the behind is the text. And she is like a strange prude toy-like icon. You can, the pareidolia is that you can make out a face and a nose um, of her looking through um, a frame, a circular frame, or through a window. Um, and, and she's also the moon. She's the icon. Um, you have treasure. So the idea is that this goop is not just PVA, you know, acrylic, paint, poster paint, whatever, um, and borax liquid. It's also treasure. It's also precious because it conveys ideas 
and it is a route into the imagination. And you've got summer, winter. So I'm describing life on Earth. And then you've got below, pushing, shoving, pulling, dragging, lifting, carrying, shouldering, and these, you know, you, are they, what are they? Are they, are they a mass of people? Are they one entity? But it's a lot of scribbling and a lot of energy and activity. This is what we physically do on the earth. Then you've got um, the kings again, not talking, sulking, talk king, sulking. Um, so that's what we get up to when we fall out with each other. And then you've got the beauty of the fruits and flowers growing. And you've got in the gardens and the roots. And then you've got the ocean depth. So it's all below. This is all below. And all this water and deep evolutions that are strange when left to their own devices when one is looking. You've got futuristic hover vehicles, people flying, because that's always our desire to fly with the, e the, in this, with the same ease as a bird does. We just want to take off from where we are and lift off in, into the into the air, houses and gardens and roads that floated, because I'm always, I really wish we had more interesting um, domestic buildings, places where we live, I just think our lives could be transformed if they were just more imaginative, we'd have different relationships with each other, and so I love this idea of building cities, and in fact, in this this book that I I'm, I want to publish the adventures of Lily um, I talk about inventing all sorts of amazing cities that float and have walkways and then the next time I'm going to talk about when we get to the planets when we get above and um, something about the idea of ge geometry which comes from the title back beyond back behind above and below beyond and then when I've done that I'm going to send that in and it's good I'm going to send this in and along with everybody else's. And it's going to be in the archive forever. I'm going to get it digitized and it's going to live forever in this library. Um, so, all right then. I will talk to you later. Bye.